0: Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. For this week, I'm just going to talk to you. I just want to kind of pastor you through this idea. Um, if you've been a part of our church for any length of time, you, you, would, you probably know this phrasing. I think Amanda says this. Uh, all the time in the 411 it comes up in my sermons from time to time but our mission really here at new beginnings is connecting people to christ now that's a simple way to phrase what most churches are really all about we are all about connecting people to jesus if you notice that we don't have all other kind of agendas we are are jesus centric actually you, you never hear me talk about politics you ever notice that you know why because the solution is not government the solution is jesus Yeah, yeah. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, they're both very, very flawed. They're not the answer. They're not the Jesus is the solution. So I'm not trying to connect you to a party. <laughs> it's going to get amen. I'm not trying to connect you do a, a political idea. I'm trying to connect you to Jesus. There are a lot of things that we point to that we think in life could be the answer. And, and it's not the answer is Jesus. We believe wholeheartedly that the greatest thing uh, that we can help you do is connect to Christ. And that is the starting point of fixing, solving, healing, forgiving, working out everything in your life. And so we believe that. And so we, but we believe that happens on a scale. Like we're talking about from the person who's never been to church to the person 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 who's been in church their entire life. We want to help you to connect to Jesus at that next step, that next level, that deeper level. But what I noticed was, as I thought about legacy and our building campaign to purchase this building, when I thought about what we're really all about, when I thought about what we've been through really over the last year, I thought, you know what? I really feel like God had put it on my heart that we need to go into a season where we dig down just a touch deeper. And it's not just connecting people to Christ, but it's helping people who are away from God connect to Christ. That a ac now don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that if you've been a believer for 30 years that I'm, I don't care about you. That's the opposite of the truth. I'm just telling you that I think that we, as a, as a church, need to say, you know what? We might have become a little bit too uh, us-centric. We might be thinking about us just a little bit too much and not thinking about people who are away from God. And I just want us to go ahead and say, you know, what if God, for the next season of our church life, what if we shifted our emphasis and said, that, you know what? What about my crazy neighbor? What about my crazy hairdresser? What about my friend and coworker? What about my uh, my neighbor? What about again? Just just go through the list of like who who are the people in my life who are away from God and do I really believe wholeheartedly that their life would be better if God were in it? What about those people? Do I really believe that like this matters because eternity is at stake? It might be kind of a big deal. Do I feel like? You know what? Do I feel like I've experienced the grace of God to a degree that I cannot keep this to myself? And like, I really want other people to experience what I have experienced. And in so doing, we would turn our attention and say, you know, what? I, I think there's some people in my life who are away from God and their life would be better if God. We're in it. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to open up and just going to share this story with me this morning. There's a story found. If you want to turn there, it's in Mark chapter two. It's one of those just fascinating, great stories of scripture. And as I read it, I thought, this is it. This is us. This is what's going on. And, and there's this story. And I want you to do this as a, as, as a Bible person. If you've read this story before, you're going to be maybe tempted to dismiss it. What I want you to do, though, is as I read the story, because I'm going to read the whole thing and then come back and talk about it and break it down and look at the different characters of the story. But as I read it, can you picture it? in your head. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many people gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. So Jesus comes to his, this, this place. It's, it's packed out. It's standing room only. There's just crowds everywhere and he preaches the word to them. Now I just thought I love, does anybody like love good preaching, good sermon? Good. Can you imagine if I could go back in time and hear a sermon, man, how awesome would it be? This would have to be just an incredible sermon. What would Jesus have said to them? And so he's preaching the word to them and some men came. This is where the story pivots. Some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed guy that was carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, everybody say the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat that the paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed guy, son, your sins are forgiven now. Here's what's going on in the background. Some teachers of the law, just some really religious people, Pharisees, that that type of person. uh, They're sitting there and they're thinking to themselves. Be careful when you think to yourselves because Jesus apparently can hear those thoughts. Because it says that they were thinking to themselves, well, why does this fellow, not Jesus, not rabbi, not son of God, this fellow, why does he talk like that? He's blaspheming who can forgive sins but God Alone, And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was the, uh, what they were thinking in their hearts. And so he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Here's a question. What is easier? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed guy, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he looks to the paralyzed guy and he goes, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we ain't ever seen anything like this. Isn't that an awesome story? It's just one of those stories that had you, man, if you'd have been there, you would have taken note of that one. That would have been like, you know, uh, water cooler talk the next day. You'd be like, dude, the craziest thing happened. It'd be a story that you would share. Now, here's what you need to know about the Bible and the way that I always want you to read the Bible. The Bible is written in layers of meaning. And so I want you to always think, like, this is an incredible story. And you're always asking yourself questions like, well, what can I learn from this? And what's God saying to me through this? But, you know, one one of the questions that you want to think about is this. So, So first of all, every great story has great characters, right? Isn't that true? Like, every great story has great characters. And in this story, you got to think about the characters, right? So you got the men, right? You got paralyzed guy, you got the crowd, you got Jesus, you got the the religious people, you got this dynamic of characters going around. And here's one of the things that you want to ask yourself whenever you read a story like this is what do these characters teach us? That's a really, really important question to ask. And then this may be the best one, which is this is who am I in the story? Because you got to remember that the Bible is not just about people over there back then doing their thing. The Bible is actually about you right now doing your thing. So you're like, in some ways, this is a historical event, but in some ways I'm living in the story and there's all these characters, but who would I be in the story? And what are they teaching me? Have you ever read the Bible like that? That's the way I want you to think. Yeah. There's a top layer of meaning. What's the basic thing that it's saying, but then underneath what's kind of going on and what's God really saying to me. And so when you think about this, let's dive in real quick here. Do you ever think about this? What did the men teach us? because there's these men, right? The Bible says that there's Jesus, there's a crowd, there's a paralyzed guy, but it says some men, right? That there's some men. Can I get some men? There's men in our church. We have a very, I don't know if you know this. We have a very manly church. (laughs) I've been told this like Nate came to our church just a couple months ago and he goes, dude, what the heck, man? Does everybody work out or like fight fires or shoot things? What is going on at your church? And I said, the level of testosterone that flows from the senior pastor is so powerful. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's not, he did ask me if I was wearing my son's t-shirt today and I'm like, it's a large man back up off me. Why don't you go hit the gym? Anyway, so anyway, um, so there's some men, everybody, this is some men right here. Some men. And so anyway, but it says some men, you got to picture this. This is nuts. So so some men are carrying this paralyzed guy. So for the time being, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the paralyzed guy, right? So like, <laughs> I feel like I'm not paralyzed. I'm like the queen of Sheba right now. So, so like, I need to be more like, you know, jacked up. And so, but the point is, is that there's a paralyzed guy, right? But there's some men. Now this is what's so powerful about what the men teach you. These men, now this is what's fascinating because I'd always pictured it as like, these are all, am I heavy? No, you're not. Not at all. There's a feather. You're good. It's light. I may be carrying a little holiday weight, but it's You're good. You say you're, you're too good. comfy. It's... Can you use this? You work out. You should be fine. Okay. What was I saying? Anyway, so there's, the, you had a picture that says, I always thought it was just some friends that decided to like, up their buddy. It doesn't even say that. It just says some men carried a guy. I don't. And this is the other thing too. We have no idea how far they travel. It wasn't like, yeah, this guy was around. Like I just, I I remember I said, I helped somebody move recently. It was the most amazing move. The worst is when you go to move somebody, is it okay if I don't, I'm going to tell the story. So when you, when you go to move people and they're not ready for you, Like you show up to help them move and you're ready to like lift heavy things. And all of a sudden you realize, no, I have to pack these people before I move them. That's the worst. Don't be them. But this lady was very prepared. And then when we moved, we didn't have to go up any flights of stairs. We literally went like around the hall about 40 feet. It was the most amazing thing in the world. We don't know how far they had to carry this guy. Right. So my point is, is that this is what the men teach us is that bringing people to Jesus is, un, is, is inconvenient. I was going to say inconvenient, but that's not a word. It's inconvenient, right? It's not, it's, it's never convenient for you to bring people to Jesus. G- <laughs> Don't worry, we're good. Look, have you ever thought about this? The, the average Jewish man in this day and time period would probably be like 5'8", 140 pounds. Are you, they carry... Listen, they broke the roof. I'm not even that part of the story. They. Uh oh. <laughs> hey, Bobby. Wake up, Bobby. You're like the biggest one. When I thought this through in my mind and I pictured it, I had a lot of confidence. These men. Okay, so let's tell you the story. They had no idea how far, and then they show up. I want you to think it's incredibly inconvenient, it's time consuming, right? Bringing people to Jesus is incredibly time consuming. Have you ever noticed this too? Because look, let's let's be honest here. Some people are heavier than others in life. When you got to bring them to Jesus, some people are heavier than others. You ever invited somebody to church and they're like, oh my gosh, I'd love to. I've been thinking about that. You're like, well, that was easy. You ever invite other people to church and they want to argue with you and tell you this and they are, you know, all that. So so some people are heavier than others. So it's inconvenient. It's time consuming. Hey, it's going to cost you something. Probably it's probably gonna cost you some money. Here's why. These guys, while they're carrying their broke friend to Jesus, they're not working, so they're not making money. The other thing is this, and Jonathan, you know this, because you were in construction, right? Because this is what Jonathan would have been thinking about. He'd have been like, okay, we can't get this guy to Jesus because of the crowd, but I'm in construction, so I think what we can do is that that's not a load-bearing wall over there, and there's no pillar underneath this part of the roof. And so they just started chiseling away on the roof. And see, Delano, he runs FPU, so what he was doing was cost analysis (laughs) of how much that was going to cost these men, because they were going to have to pay to fix this guy's roof, after this was all said and done. Does that, does that make sense? And so bringing people to Jesus, this is what these men teach you as Jonathan sweats <laughs> profusely. That what they teach you is is that bringing people to Jesus is incredibly inconvenient, it's time-consuming, and it will cost you money. But. Everybody say but. But. The value of the person outweighs the cost of the task. It just does. The person is worth it. Can you, can you guys gently put... <laughs> I give these guys a big, just just slide it back. I want to leave it here. So, so I just, I just wanted to I wanted to give you a picture of like sweat and labor. It's, it's inconvenience, time consuming. It's going to cost you some money, but I'm telling you this, the value outweighs the difficulty of the task. That person that might weigh more than the other person. They outweigh the difficulty of the... I'm telling you, you've got to eventually see in your mind people. Not as as flesh and blood, but you have to see them as like people made in the image and likeness of God. They are image bearers of our God and Father and Creator. They are incredibly important. They are so valuable that God deemed it worthy to send himself to die on their behalf so that they might find freedom and forgiveness of sins. That's how important they are. So although in this world, this is why Paul said you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. He goes Because in this world, they might be difficult or annoying or obnoxious even at times. But they are incredibly valuable to your heavenly father. You have to see people that way. So that way when you think about Todd, you want me to care about people who are away from God. You want me to bring people to Jesus. You want me to bring people to church. You want me to make a focus. I'm telling you, yeah. And I'll tell you why as we continue on in the story. But let's keep going now. Now, here's what the crowd teaches us. What the crowd teaches us is this, is that there are always obstacles to getting to Jesus. Right? There's a crowd. The standing room only, packed house. There's no room at the door even. Have you ever been in that kind of environment? Can you imagine? People didn't have deodorant back then. We're talking about hot. Have you ever been in the Middle East? Hot. No Old Spice. Not strong enough for a man, but pH balanced for a woman and it's funky and there's this crap and they can't get the very person that needs to get to Jesus the most. They can't, they can't cause there's a crap. So there's all kinds of difficulty. Sometimes the difficulty is the person themselves. Maybe it's like their doubt, their sin, their bad past church experience. You ever been there before with this season? You're like, your church experience was so funky. You're like, I'm not going back there. And so there's all these different obstacles. Sometimes the obstacles though are yours. Like there, there, there are obstacles. It's not even the issue with the person. It's our obstacles. Sometimes here, here's a thought. If you have been a a Christ follower for more than like 15 years, what happens is that there's this, like, this is a study that they did that the longer you are a Christ follower, that literally as your life starts with Christ, you have this many people in your life who are away from God. And the longer you walk with Jesus, the number of people just keep shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Why? Because we just keep surrounding ourselves with like-minded people. We're journeying with people through our Christian experience. And that's good. But one of the things that we need to be careful of is that we don't get so far away to like, Hey, I need to like invest my life and spend my life, um, spend time with people, make friends for the very purpose of trying to love people and help other people know God. So that's really really important. Sometimes this is, you know what I find? This is California. This is the biggest obstacle you have. You're busy. Can I get an amen? Like anybody busy out there? You're busy. And that's a problem. And the problem is, is that you're busy And a lot of the stuff is good stuff, but it's not the most important stuff. And and, and so I've always challenged you, create margin in your life because the greatest moments can happen in the margin. Like it's it's hard to find time. It's hard to breathe when you don't have any margin. There was this one study they did out of Princeton. This is years ago now. But in Princeton, they did this study and they took these these theology students. And what they did was is that they said, hey, you've got to give a 15-minute speech on why you're in, in this like theology department and you trying to get a theology degree or you can do a 10 to 15 minute talk on the Good Samaritan and, and what that teaches us in this life, right? So they took like 60 students and they said, all right, 30 of them, we're gonna, we're gonna say to them that they showed up to the wrong place and they actually have to go to this other building, but they're late. So you're in a big hurry. You need to get over there. You're running late. The other 30, they said, hey, you're in this other building, but actually time has been extended as you've got plenty of time just meander on over there. And then what they had done was on the way from that point to the building that the students were going to go to, they had put this um, really hurt man, this like homeless, like coughing sick. They had put this actor there to play this role and they just were doing this study. They wanted to see, did it matter if you were thinking about the good Samaritan or did it matter if you were just thinking about you and why you wanted that degree? And they thought, you know what? Let's just see what happens. And what they determined was, of course, is that what you were talking about had nothing to do with whether or not you stopped. It was all based on whether you thought you were busy and in a hurry or whether you had a little bit of time on your hands. So out of all the busy students that went over, only 10% of them helped. They're going to talk about the Good Samaritan. 10% stopped to help. Now, out of the people that were not in a hurry, over 60% of those people stopped to help. Which also makes you wonder, like, what the heck are the other 30-something percent doing? What were y'all thinking about? You've got time on your hands. People matter. People are valuable. We talk about that which lasts in eternity. It is people. And so what the crowd teaches us is that there are obstacles for us getting and bringing people to Jesus. And you have to work around those obstacles. For them, it was the crowd. For them, it was the roof on the building. And they had to, like, figure it out and think through it. And can you imagine? Like, they were just holding me. They had to shimmy this guy down. Can you imagine? I mean, it's just crazy. So let's keep going. Now, this is what the religious people teach us. The religious people teach you that, well, religious people aren't bringing people to Jesus. They're too busy arguing the details and they end up missing the point. If you spend more time arguing the semantics and the details and the specifics of this, that, and the other, you've missed the point. If you're trying to argue all the details of creation and the end of the world, the end, if you're trying to argue all the details and you're not doing this, you've missed the point. Jesus even says this much. He gets near the end of his time and he tells this parable. He goes, let me just, let me just sum up. Let me just help you guys figure this out. There's this guy and there's sheep and there's goats and people are getting in and people are getting left out. And so the, you, you want to be a sheep and not a goat? And they're all confused and they're all like, well, wait a minute, I want to be a sheep, not a goat. What are you saying? Are you saying I'm a goat? And he's like, yeah, you're a goat. And he goes, well, what's the difference? he goes, the people that get in, he goes, when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was in prison, you came and visited me. And they're like, Jesus, you've never committed a crime. You haven't been to prison. You've got no street cred. Jesus, you've never been hungry. Jesus, you've never. They're like, when, 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 what are you talking about? And they're like, whenever you do it to people who are the most valuable thing on this planet, whenever you do it to them, it's the same as when you're doing it to me. And he goes, that, like arguing about all the tiny... Jesus cares way more about are you trusting him with your life and are you loving people? That is it. Everything else begins to pale in comparison. Because no generation throughout all of history has ever had perfect doctrine. Quit arguing the details and think about people. Or we can say it like this, quit, quit arguing the details and actually obey the scripture, by saying, hey, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. Or as Jesus said, I'm going to love other people as Christ has loved me. And so be careful that we don't fall into the religious trap. That would be, that would be bad. That would be painful. Hey, here's what the paralyzed guy teaches us. The paralyzed guy teaches us that, well, there, there are paralyzed people all around us. Now, I, we're, we're, again, this is, a, this is a parable metaphor now at this point. there are, There are people that are spiritually paralyzed. There are people... You ever walk around Dublin? You ever walk downtown Livermore? You ever walk around Pleasanton? You ever walk around Tracy? Especially Tracy. But if you ever, I'm just kidding. If you, ever, if you ever just walk around, you're like, man, there's dysfunction junction. There are people who are hurt, wounded, confused. They are wandering. They are lost. They are like a sheep without a shepherd. There are paralyzed people around you. And the other thing that it teaches you is this, is that ultimately these paralyzed people, they don't come to faith on their own. No one really does. Like no one really ever comes to faith on their own. Now you can argue with me because I can even tell you, look, man, when I came to Jesus, I was in my bedroom by myself saying a prayer. But hey, what you don't know is who was praying for you? You don't even remember all the little seeds sown and the prayers prayed. You're completely unaware of this. Nobody truly comes to faith all on their own. Or as the old Texas saying goes, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you can know it did not get there by itself. That's you. Nobody comes to faith on their own. People need someone to bring them along, to help them, to encourage them, to pray for them, to open up the door, to, to create an invitation. And so that's what the paralyzed guy teaches us. Now, this is what Jesus teaches us. And this is so profound. That what Jesus teaches us is this. You can't interrupt Jesus. Isn't this awesome? I want you to think about this. Can you imagine if I was up here preaching and all of a sudden little crumbs start falling on my shoulder? And I'm like, man, what the? I'm preaching a sermon here, man. And all of a sudden the roof is crumbling above me, and then they're lifting the roof off, and then they're lowering a paralyzed. They just interrupted my sermon. I would be thrown off. Not Jesus. Jesus just steps into the sermon. Oh, wonderful. An illustration. Your sins are forgiven. You can't interrupt Jesus, it's impossible. He's waiting on you. And this is the fascinating thing. He forgives the guy first just to make the religious people mad. Then he heals them because this is the other thing you got to see is, is that Jesus is looking for an excuse to heal and forgive you. Like Jesus is not just trying to get you to heaven. It's, it's so much bigger than that. And, and here, here's the other thing too. This is, this is going to mess with your theology because Paul wrote that every man must work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. Right? Like Paul wrote that later, but he wrote that. Jesus didn't read that apparently because <laughs> it says this. It says in the scripture that Jesus saw their faith and then forgave the one guy. How does that work theologically? I don't know. And I don't care. I'm just happy that the guy is healed and forgiven. Do you see the point? Like, I don't care how God works that out. That's that stuff that's way beyond my pay grade anyway. But Jesus saw their faith and forgave that guy. I don't know how that works. You figure that out. It's just awesome. But it just shows you that he's looking for an excuse, any reason to heal and forgive you. Because the point is this. It's not enough for you to get to heaven. Jesus wants to get heaven to earth, heaven to you right here, right now. Salvation does not happen the moment you die. It happens the moment you begin to trust Jesus. And some of us need to step into that and start experiencing what Jesus wants us to experience. And so here is the moral of the story. The moral of the story is this. When you walk away from the whole thing, you've got to think this. Bringing people to Jesus creates incredible moments. It's just a cool moment. It's a great story. It's like, wow, what a moment. He heals. He forgives. He makes these guys mad. The roof's coming off. This is awesome. Bringing people to Jesus creates incredible moments. Now, let's back up. It may be inconvenient for you though. You may sweat a little. You may have to work a little. It may cost you a little bit of time and inconvenience and money. But I promise, because if you've ever had this experience, you know what I'm talking about. If you have ever helped connect somebody to Christ, it's the best moment in the world. It's better than drugs. I was young, I did a lot of drugs. Then I brought people to Jesus. Bringing people to Jesus is better. It's more euphoric. (laughs) Just tell me. This is, it just got weird, didn't it? So <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, if you ever brought somebody to church and you saw them pray their very first prayer, asked Jesus to come in their heart. If you ever went to your friend's baptism after you prayed and you invited and you brought them to church, there's a tear streaming down your eye because bringing people to Jesus creates incredible moments. And if you've never done that before, you got to get on this thing it's awesome and so here's what i want you to do and this is why we we shared this story and this is why i wanted to have this talk with you as as my as my your pastor into this church and so i I want us to get this mentality i need to bring people to jesus it is crucial it is important it's it's what our goal and our focus and our agenda needs to be over this next season of church life because although i want to buy this building the building is a tool and a resource so that we can bring people to jesus If we have a building, but we're not bringing people to Jesus, we've missed the point. We're not building a building so that we can get into our holy huddle, uh, rub each other on the back, and sing Kumbaya together. Come by me, my Lord. That's not the point. The point is is that as we trust God with our life, we are also bringing other people to Jesus and helping them connect to Christ. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a few. Can I give you a little bit of application, a little bit of walk away? Because I want you to do this. Like, this is real. So when you came in this morning, there were these little invite cards on your seat. And we do this all the time, and we're going to do it maybe even more. I want you to invite somebody. I want you to bring somebody. I want you to use it as a talking point. I want you to figure out how you can connect other people to Christ. And again, that invitation is not the end-all answer. It's just a thing I'm trying to put in your hand because I want you to know I'm serious. And so what I want you to see is this, is that anytime you talk to people, I want you to be on the lookout for cues, right? like little open doors, little hints, like here, here's one to look for. Anytime you meet somebody like, hey, how you doing? And they say they're new to the area. You know what I want you to ask them? Oh man, have you found a church yet? Man, I, the pastor's wife at my church is so good looking. It is amazing. <laughs> and I just, I don't say that. That'd be weird, but I can say that. And so I, I like, I'm just telling you, just me, hey man, we, New Beginnings is a great church. It's where I tend, I mean, I'd love for you to come sometime. Maybe, can you come check it out? Here, here's another one. New to the area is good, but like anytime people are going through something. We know how this works? You get to talking to people and we're, we're normally all going through something. And then all of a sudden you use that as a doorway. You're like, you know what, man? I, I, I feel for what you're going through, man. Hey, you know what? Do you go to church anywhere? Man, I, I know for me what, what my church has done for me and helped me through or what, what my faith in God has helped me through. And all of a sudden you just you pivot. You just pivot and segue. Here's another one. Like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? This is the best one. You ever done this before? You ask somebody, hey, what'd you do this weekend? And they said. da 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 da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden, they ask you the question. What do they ask you? Well, what'd you do this weekend? My bank teller does this for crying out loud. I think they're trained to do this. And right now, they're doing a good job of it. They're doing better than, than you and I are. They ask, them, hey, what'd you do this weekend? How was your weekend? And then all of a sudden, you, you ask the question, oh, man, you know what? I did this and this, but you know what? Was the best, Man, I went to church on Sunday morning, you know, where the church is doing this or this going on or whatever, man. I'm just telling you, do you, do you go to church anywhere? All of a sudden, you just, just pivot. You're just looking for these like, open doors of opportunity. You're looking for ways that you can love people. Maybe you say, hey, you know what, man? I'm going to be praying for you. And you use that as a segue to come back a, a few days later. Man, how's that going? I've been praying for you, dude. I even asked my church to pray for you. I sent in a prayer request and, and had people at my church pray for you. How's that going? Hey, you know what, man? I don't, I don't know if you'd be open to it. But man, I'd love for you to come to church with me sometime. Man, I'll, 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 you, know, you, can, you buy them lunch afterwards. You meet them at the front door. I'll, bring you, I'll pick you up. It may be inconvenient. It may be time-consuming. It may cost you something. They are worth it. What'd you do this weekend? Now here's, can I give you some things like not to do? Now y'all are cool people, but there might be two of you. Okay, so there's three things you don't want to do. Don't share your weird God story. Okay, if you got this weird story, you're like, man, I was eating alphabet soup and holy man, all of a sudden Jesus showed up in my alphabet soup and I saw Jesus saves and I knew, oh my gosh, you know, like, no, you used to smoke a lot of weed. That's what they think. OK, um, so don't you know, whatever that means to you. Here's another one. Don't don't give too much information like don't don't be the person that starts sharing your faith. And then an hour later, they're like, man, I really sorry. I got to go. You know, don't don't be don't be going on and on and on and on. It's 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 quick, man. It's short, it's simple. It's, it's love. It's compassion. It's grace. It's a prayer. It's a thing. It's it's it shouldn't. Does that make sense? Don't wear people out. Here's another one. Last one. Don't use Christianese. Oh, glory to God, hallelujah. I was in the presence of the Shekinah, glory of the Lord. And what happened was, is that his overwhelming... Ab- and you just start, I'm like, whoa, 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 okay. You just used a language. You ever listen to doctors talk? And you're like, I don't know what they just said. That's what you sound like right now, okay? So like, keep, to keep your Christianese language out. You talk their language, you meet... That's why Paul said, I became all things to all people that I might by any means save some and you just meet them where they're at stop with your weird christianese language that's not how people talk anyway um so, so those are just things not to do and so you know, here's what i want you to do i want you to take away the last scripture and we'll be done can i do that it's 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 eleven thirteen. if you're taking medicine i'm going to wrap this up if the, somebody come up and play really soothing music behind me and make us feel really spiritual um mark chapter 1 verse 16 says this as jesus walked beside the sea of galilee He came to Simon, who we know as Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Um, It was just one of those moments. What's interesting is that the disciples are sitting around listening to Jesus preach the word, and other people, these men, are bringing their paralyzed guy to Jesus. I think this is maybe like the clue. Oh, this is what he meant. This is, what, this is what he was saying. I'm, I'm going to be a fisher of men. I used to catch fish. Now I'm going to just catch people and bring the fish to the people to Jesus. And that's what my life is going to be about. And what's fascinating is that Jesus says, I'm going to make you. Everybody say, make me. Yes. Yeah, sometimes when you were a kid, like, make me. When Jesus says, I'm going to make you, it's an indicator that Jesus has an agenda, right? That I'm going to make you. Oh, okay. I got an agenda. Now he could have said, I'm going to make you holy. And we all could use some of that. I'm going to make you better and we could use some of that. I'm going to make you more holy, righteous, more whatever. I'm going to clean up your language. I'm going to tell you, know, I'm going to work on your attitude, young man. You know, I, I'm going to do a, all... he didn't say any of that stuff. Number one, you just follow me. That'll take care of you. Just follow me. But in the process, I'm going to make you into something. And it wasn't all the things that we, we might've normally come up with. Because no, no, I'm going to make you really, really good at bringing other people to our heavenly father. That's what this thing is all about. So there's a big question you want to ask yourself. Do I really believe that their life would be better if God were in it? You got to believe that. If you don't believe that, this won't work. Do I really believe that eternity is at stake? Am I overwhelmed by the grace that God has given me? And if I answer yes to those two things, this is a no-brainer. Because you already evangelize and share, you already share your faith. You Raider fans, you share your faith all the time. Niner fans, whatever you're into, you foodie people, you share your faith all over Facebook. Here's what I ate last night. Okay, you share you share your faith already. You just share the things that you care about. You share the things that you're interested in. You share the things that you're excited about. You already do this. Stop it. This is easy. What you have to do is now become excited. The grace of God that hits my life, man. That your your life would be better if God were in it. I know it, man. If you would walk around. Knowing that God dearly loved you, that He had uh, the answers, that Jesus was the answer, that God could, uh, your life would be better. And you know what? Man, Eternity is at stake here somehow, some way. I, I don't even know how exactly all that works. That's above my pay grade too, but somehow eternity is at stake. This is a big, 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 big deal. And so, big question to walk away with is this. So, who are you bringing? Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. Who are you bringing? Who are you bringing? You crazy redheaded stylist named tiffany your neighbor co-worker the ones you like and the ones you don't like that friend those people you see i'm just man i'm telling you who you bringing these guys they brought someone to jesus and it created the most incredible moment our church over this next season of life i want to us to be about connecting people to christ Helping people who are away from God come. I read the worst story. It was crazy. I grew up a lifeguard. Uh, If you know me, I grew up a swimmer, lifeguard, all that stuff, pool kid. And I read a story. This is back in like 1981. And there was this party that the New Orleans municipal blah, blah, blah of of lifeguards, they had their first season of no drownings. No drownings. And they threw a party to celebrate it at a pool. Uh, Over 200 people were there. A hundred of them were certified lifeguards. Now, because it was a pool party, they did have four lifeguards on duty. At the end of the night, they pulled a gentleman out of the pool named Jerome Moody, who was 31 years old, who had drowned. And the irony was, is that a man had drowned while surrounded by lifeguards. There are people who are paralyzed. There are people who are drowning. There are people who are away from God. Eternity is at stake. This is a big deal. There are people who are drowning and they are surrounded by lifeguards. Father, would you please put a burden on our heart? God, would you put an aching in our soul? God, would you stir within us the grace of God that you've given us this isn't a bad thing. None of this is a great thing. This is a good thing, God. The, the love and forgiveness, the freedom, the healing, God, the purpose that you've given me, God, it's a great thing. And God, their life would be better if you were in it. And so, God, would you help me to connect other people to you, God? Would you help me to pray for them, to, to find that open door, to invite, to bring, to invest into their life, to give, to encourage, God? Lord, would you help me make that a burden of my heart, Lord God? Make it a burden of my heart that I want to bring people to you. Lord, that is our prayer as a church today. And it is in your holy name that we ask. And we all said, amen. Amen. Yeah. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.